0: We are going to be talking about motherhood today, um, a man up on stage talking about moms, what could go wrong, right? Um, so you're going to have the opportunity to not only hear from me and from God's Word, and, and just a little bit, you're going to get to hear from my amazing, beautiful wife. She's going to be joining me on the stage to share a little bit about a mom's heart. But today we're going to be talking about um, the gospel for moms, And what we don't mean is that there is this other gospel that's just for moms. We're going to be talking about how the same gospel that you and I believe that saves us, that redeems us, that that brings forgiveness and grace to us. We're going to be talking specifically about how that works out in the mom's heart. And so um, that's where we're headed today in Matthew chapter 11. As you turn there, just a couple of things we need to acknowledge. I realize that mom's day is not always a happy day. Right, There are a lot of struggles uh, that are attached to being a mom or having a mom. For example, some of you um, may have lost a mom or lost a mom recently. And so for, t- for you today um, isn't necessarily a joyous day. It may be a day of sorrow. Or um, maybe you are a mom or a mom-to-be who has miscarried. I know that uh, statistically speaking, many of the women in this room right now have gone through that journey of miscarriage. I know there are women in our church who, um, who want to be moms, but because of infertility are unable, at least at this point, um, to, to conceive and to get pregnant. And so we recognize that Mom's Day, for all that we're thankful for, for all the honor we, that we bestow to moms, can also be a really, really hard day. And the reality is that it doesn't matter if it's Mother's Day or not, right? For the mom, there are a lot of struggles in the daily life. So I was looking at some research this week um, from uh, from the the Pew Research Group on parenting in general, and here are some statistics that I thought were interesting, and I think even revealing about moms and the way they think about themselves. For example, um, most Americans who were surveyed believe that uh, parenting today is much more difficult than it was 20 or 30 years ago. There's just so much more happening, uh, and our kids are exposed to so many more things that parenting in general is a little bit harder or more difficult today than it was 20 or 30 years ago. And to top it off, parents who rated themselves say that that while that is true, that today's parents feel like they're doing a worse job than their parents did 20 or 30 years ago, right? Now, what's interesting, though, is when moms and dads were ranked and scored, dads came out ranked higher um, in terms of doing a better job of parenting today. Now, that doesn't sound like good news on Mom's Day, does it? Now, I'm mentioning that because the data behind it revealed something incredible. The reason why dads scored higher is not because dads ranked themselves higher, but it is because that the women who took this poll actually rated themselves lower. It's very revealing of how women see Themselves. The reality is that women are much more critical on themselves as wives, as moms, as friends, as church members, as Christians. They're much more critical on themselves than they are of others. That's very true, isn't it, ladies? You oftentimes are your worst enemy. Nobody beats you up like you beat up yourself. And, there, and it shows up here in the dad. I want to read a quote from a mom blogger, who was writing about the struggles of motherhood. She says, as a whole, speaking about moms, we're also incredibly stressed, drowning in self-doubt and filled with anxiety. No matter our demographic, so it doesn't matter what color of skin you have, how much money you make, where you come from, right? regardless of our demographic, many of us also feel ashamed of our messy lives, and our inability to keep up isolated and unsure of who we can trust and guilty that we can't give our children more. I wonder how many moms here today feel guilty like you're not giving your children enough. There's one more need that needs to be met. Well, in Matthew chapter 11, starting in verse 25, Jesus presents some really good news to moms. Starting in verse 25, we read this. At that time, Jesus declared, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows the Son except the Father. No one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone whom the Son chooses to reveal Him. That might be strange to read that on Mother's Day, because it was a lot about fathers and sons, wasn't it? But what's beautiful is embedded in this passage is actually this, this beautiful truth about the kingdom of God. When Jesus is praying to His Father, and He says, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding. What He's saying is, God, Father in heaven, it's not the people of earth who are wise in their own strength who find you. It's not the people who have really deep understanding who come to know you. It's actually the little children. And if you look at how Jesus interacts with children, especially in the gospel of Luke, chapter 18, we find this moment where Jesus is teaching and the little kids are coming up to Jesus and the disciples um, feel like they're distracting him so the disciples kind of shoo him off. And what Jesus does, he stops and he rebukes the disciples and says, what are you doing? Let them come to me. And then Jesus says this. He says, truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. So even in that moment with children there, what Jesus is saying, he's saying, even adults, my invitation to you is to come to me like a child. Now, ladies. First of all, I want to talk about who you are. It's right and appropriate to show gratitude and to honor moms. But did you know that mom is not your primary identity? I know you feel that way because it's like 98% of your energy is spent being one. But that's not your primary identity. And, And your primary identity is not even being a wife or a church member or an employee you are first and foremost a child of God. For all who have been redeemed, God says to you, you're my daughter, that's your first identity. And so Jesus is saying, listen, you have to come to me that way, like children, like sons and, and daughters to inherit the kingdom of heaven And Jesus is praying to his father, saying, I'm so thankful, God, that you didn't invite people into the kingdom who have it together, who are wise in their own eyes. I'm so thankful that you invited people who are weak like children into the kingdom of God. The reality is we don't get into heaven by impressing God. Moms, you won't have to show Jesus your Pinterest board to see whether or not you've been a good mom to get into heaven. Your performance will have nothing to do with whether or not you get into heaven. The reality and the truth is that God reveals himself to the least likely, the least of these, the weak, the ones who can't pull it together and who can't fix themselves God reveals himself to moms who feel like they're going to lose it if one more kid loses his homework or spills his drink or forgets to put his soccer jersey in the laundry so you can wash it so he'll have it to wear at his next game or her next game. God reveals himself to the moms who watch other moms in envy and tell themselves, if she can do it for her family, then I should be able to do it for my family. God reveals himself to the moms who get off of Facebook feeling defeated because all the other moms seem to have it together. And so Jesus is thanking the Father, I'm so glad God that you reveal yourself to people who can't pull it together. People who are like children who are weak and vulnerable and, 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 and can't figure this thing out we keep reading and we get into a familiar passage where Jesus continues. He says to you and to I, come to me. Here's the invitation. Come to me. All who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Moms, I'm not going to ask you to show your Raise your hands, but I just wonder how many of you, when you hear that invitation, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Something inside of you says, that's me. That's me. That that describes who I am right now. It describes how I feel as a mom. I'm tired. I'm heavy. Heavy laden. I need real rest. Well, in this context, Jesus talks about a yoke, and he says, actually, my yoke is better for you. My yoke is Easier than the yoke that you're carrying. We think about a yoke. I know we don't use yokes very often in this culture and time. So there are two things that come to mind. One is the yoke of the oxen, where you take a team of oxen and you put the yoke on them, right? And you hitch up a wagon or a plow and they, they move through the field or down the road. But there's another kind of yoke that I actually think Jesus had in mind, and that was the human yoke. In the ancient world, when you had to carry something, you didn't have wheelbarrows and, and, and golf carts and things to, lawnmowers to move things around, right? So you had to figure out a way to carry heavy things. For example, one of the the heavy loads of the day would be water. You'd trek down to the water, and you would load up enough water for the day in buckets, and then you would place a wooden yoke across your shoulders and attach the buckets to the yoke, and you would carry the water home. More often than not, in that culture and time, guess who it was carrying the yoke with the water? It was ladies, This is why Jesus runs into the woman at the well, right? She was drawing water for the day to carry home to meet the needs of her family. Now, the thing about the yoke was this. To make this work, you had to make sure you didn't put so much in it, you couldn't make it to your destination. Because if you only made it part of the way there, you were kind of stuck, right? You couldn't go back, and if you had water, you'd have to pour it out and start over again. And so the idea was just put just enough weight in the buckets so that you could make it to the finish line, make it home. Well, the second trick, though, was that the buckets had to be balanced, because if not, you begin to lean to one side. And before you knew it, you were spilling whatever was in the bucket on the ground. And once again, you had to start back over. So carrying the yoke was about having just enough weight in there, right, so that you could make it to the finish line. But it was also about balance. And when the first world, uh, first century uh, culture we're talking about here, the yoke was also used to describe the teaching of a rabbi. And so if you were a disciple of a rabbi, you would take his yoke upon you, his teaching upon you upon you. So Jesus is actually referring to himself here now as as a rabbi, as a teacher. He's saying, I want you to take my yoke upon you. And he's talking about the law of God. We think about the law of God in, in a similar fashion. We know that the law can be heavy, right? Have you ever tried to obey the Ten Commandments perfectly? If so, you're trying to carry a heavy load, right? But the reality is that the yoke has to be balanced. So even if you pull it off So by some miraculous effort on the outside, you look like you obeyed perfectly, right? The yoke wasn't in balance unless your heart was there, right? So this was the rich young ruler who came to Jesus and said, man, I've I've carried the yoke of the law and I've carried it perfectly. And Jesus said, really? Well, let's talk about your heart. I want you to go home and sell your stuff and then come and follow me. And the man did what? He went away sad. Why? Because his heart wasn't there. This is how Jesus defines the Ten Commandments, and he says, listen, you've heard not to look lustfully at a woman, and you think you've pulled that off, or you've heard not to commit adultery, and you think you've pulled that off because on the outside you haven't been caught. But on the other bucket, the bucket of your heart, you're already guilty, right? So to carry this yoke meant not only to obey the law perfectly, but your heart had to be right. This is why in Isaiah chapter 29, as God's talking about the nation of Israel, look at what he says in verse 13. And the Lord said, because these people or this people draw near with their mouth and honor me with their lips, so that bucket's full, they're saying all the right stuff, while their hearts are far from me, that bucket is empty. And their fear of me is a commandment taught by men. Therefore, behold, I will again do wonderful things with this people and wonder upon wonder. And listen to this verse. And the wisdom of their wise men shall perish and the discernment of their discerning men shall be hidden. I think there's a deep connection between what Jesus is teaching in Matthew 11 and what we just read in Isaiah 29. Because what God is saying to the nation of Israel and Isaiah is listen, you've got the yoke of the law on your shoulders and you're saying all the right things over here but this other bucket, it's empty, it's out of balance. And so you think you are performing well but you're really not because your hearts are far from me. So I'm gonna do something wonderful. I'm gonna come to you and extend an invitation to you and it's not gonna be an invitation for the wise and the understanding and the high performers in your culture. I'm gonna come to you and extend a wonderful invitation for you to come to me. I think this is what Jesus is getting at here in Matthew 11. Because see, we read this on the surface and we read about, come to me all who are labored and, and heavy laden. And what we think about is, that's me because I'm so busy. Oh, that's why I feel so, so heavy is because I'm so busy. But the reality is, if you wiped your schedule clean for the next 30 days, guess what will happen the day one after that? You'll start packing it up again. Because so many of our lives, and ladies, listen, so many of your lives are driven by guilt. That you're not good enough, that you're not performing enough, that you're not the, the, the mom you should be, and so what do you do? You try to make up for it by doing more and committing to more and, and trying to make up for it. Like, one more load of laundry and one more activity, and, and I'll make one more of these things and one more of these things, and you just add it up in an attempt to do what? To alleviate that burden that you're carrying of not being good enough. So this invitation in Matthew 11 is really for those who aren't good enough. Come to me, all who feel like you're not good enough, who are shackled by shame and guilt, not performing to the standard and expectation that you put on yourself. Come to me, and I'll give you rest. Not just vacation, not just a day off or a day at the spa, but I'll give rest to your soul that thing that's driving your busyness and your overcommittedness I'll give rest to your soul. So what Jesus says, my yoke is easy, and my burden is life, what he's saying to you is bring me your yoke, and I wanna exchange it for my yoke. Bring me your not good enough. Bring me your half full buckets. Bring me your empty buckets. Bring it to me, and I wanna give you my yoke, because see, my yoke is easy. My burden is light, why? One of my favorite verses in the gospel of Matthew tells us why. Matthew 5, 17, listen to this. Incredibly good news, moms. Jesus says, do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. What he is saying is, I haven't come to abolish the weight of these buckets. But here's what I have done. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. What Jesus is saying is that all the requirements on you have been fulfilled in me. I took the yoke of the law on my shoulders and I carried it for you. Put down your yoke. Put down your buckets. Put down your performance. Put down your guilt and your shame and your embarrassment and you're not good enough because I am more than good enough for you. The best news in the Bible is that Jesus has fulfilled and carried the law for us. He has traded us, his more than good enough for our not good enough. So when you're feeling inadequate as a mom, Jesus says to you, come to me and I'll give you rest. Real rest. Rest that will set you free from finding your identity and your performance or the burden of not being good enough. The reality is that God created moms to want to meet needs. There's nothing wrong with your desire to nurture and to meet needs. Where it becomes wrong is when you begin to find your identity in that. It's not wrong to want your children to be clean. (laughs) I'm so glad. It's not wrong to want your children to match when they leave the house. Leave it to us, right? The whole thing's gonna be a, a wreck. It's not wrong to want these things. It's not wrong to want your kids to make good grades or to be obedient to their teachers, but but here's the thing. When you begin to find your, your identity in those things and your children begin to not perform, then what happens is you begin to say, you know what, I'm not performing either. It must be me. What did I do wrong? When my children fail, it must mean that I fail. When my family fails, I failed. And you begin to heap up that burden on your shoulders, a burden you can't carry. And Jesus said, listen, bring me that. Bring me that mess. I've got a yoke for you that is easy and a burden that is light. Matter of fact, you're not even gonna be able to feel it. You're gonna look and say, there's nothing in the buckets, and Jesus is gonna say, that's right. Don't put anything in the buckets. I've already put it on me. What I did on the cross was for you. I was performing for you. I lived perfectly on earth for you. All your attempts to perform, to find value in your performance, They mean nothing in the kingdom of God. He says, come to me like a child instead. Not like a Pinterest mom, or an Insta mom, or a Facebook mom, or one of those moms that looks like they have it all together, because you know the reality is, 10 minutes before that picture was taken, come on now, life was a wreck. Listen moms, I want you to hear something, what Jesus is also saying is that you can't be your children's savior. You can't. You can't fulfill your children's true needs. Only Jesus can. Adding one more activity to your kids' lives is not going to make them better people. At the end of the day, you have to find your rest in Jesus. And listen, and only he and he alone can meet your needs too. If your children make straight A's and obey their teachers, it's not going to fulfill your needs. If your husband did a bang-up job on Mother's Day this morning, at the end of the day, it's not going to meet your needs. Jesus is saying, listen, only I can meet your needs. Come to me. Well, I want to do something um, this morning. I want to not only introduce you to my wife, I'm going to invite her up on the stage to talk for a minute. So, Hallie, will you come up on stage? This is my beautiful wife.
1: He knows how much I love hugs.
0: And uh, she loves them from me. Um, and if you know my wife at all, which some of you have, have got to know her, you know she does not want to be up here. She loves serving behind the scenes, so this is not her deal, so it's a very courageous thing uh, for her to come up here. But there's a very specific reason why um, I wanted you to come up and share. Um, so a little bit about Hallie and I. We've been married this Wednesday. It will be 15 years. Yep. So, <laughs> woo-hoo. <laughs> Uh, she's been a mom for 11, almost 12 years. Been married to me for 15 years. But she grew up in a performance-driven culture across the board. Um, school was that way. Graduated victorian in her class. Um, she was all-state shortstop in softball.
1: He's stealing my thunder. Right um, she
0: <laughs> state championships, and that lingered on into college. And then, but not only that, the church culture she grew up in was very performance-based, and there was all this pressure to be the good girl. And so I just wanted you to share a minute, um, if you don't mind, about how that pressure has just weighed you down, especially like as a pastor's wife. I know there's a lot of pressure. You feel a lot of pressure. So what's it like? And talk, talk a minute about just feeling the pressure of needing to perform.
1: I had hoped that when God called me to be a pastor's wife, that there would be a very clear definition of what that was supposed to look like. And... Um, You know, only based on the example that had been given to me and the the woman who is my parents' pastor's wife. Uh, I sat underneath her for, gosh, about 20 years and saw her at everything. She was church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday nights. She was at the hospital when babies were born and people passed away. She was giving, you know, she had homemade meals and and all those things. But um, that's just not how, you know, God had planned my life to be. I mean, we needed me to work full-time. So I didn't, I had a lot of pressures on me to um, try to fulfill expectations that I had put on myself based on what I had seen and um, while trying to work full-time. And it was so overwhelming. And, uh, you know, I think we all have our own definitions of what our former pastor's wives look like. So you guys, I feel like I had your expectations too on me and that wasn't fair um so it was very heavy and every day i mean and still i struggle with this now i'm not going to say up here that i don't struggle with these things still so um but yeah that's Mm. expectations and especially expectations that are not written down it's just the the thought of what you expect of me so
0: well beyond being a, a wife or a pastor's wife you're a mom right and and you see this probably more often than I do in other women, the pressure that women put on themselves to perform. What are some, what does it look like? like give us some insight into that. What, is, what kind of pressures do you see ladies putting on themselves?
1: I think social media has definitely done us an, an injustice. <laughs> um, no longer are women looking at other women, older women in the church, I think Social media has replaced that for us, um, and I'm not sitting here saying that social media is bad. I think there are great things that come from that, but um, I personally, and I'm going to speak for myself, um, have seen social media um, just fuel this idol of comparison within me, and it makes it really difficult to not want to see, you know, you guys at, you know, um, you know, your vacations, and then see your you know, your family photos that are just, you know, incredible, and I can't even get mine to sit down for one. (laughs) Um, You know, the pastor's wife, the pastor's family, we are, I mean, we are chaos, and I'm just going to say that, Um, you know, but I think those pressures of social media um, that weren't maybe there 20 or 30 years ago, I heard those statistics, and I was like, what has happened in the last 20 or 30 years that has allowed you know, this data to be true now, and that's, I mean, I feel like social media plays a huge part in that, and ladies, if I could encourage you to, you know, you know, remember that those perfect pictures that are on Facebook or or Instagram are not really what life is like, I want to do that for you right now. (laughs) Yeah,
0: no, that's so good. I think that's kind of what Jesus is saying, like, I didn't, I'm not dying on the cross to meet you in your perfect Instagram photo. I'm, I'm, I'm dying to meet you in the mess that happened 10 minutes before that, right? Um, well, kind of share a little bit about what that does to a woman's heart, um, maybe in your own life and, and what you see in others. When you, you put all this pressure on, your, on yourself to, to be something that you're not, right, or that you can never be, what does that do to a woman's heart when you fail at that?
1: I mean, I think some of the information you gave earlier where you talked about women living in this state of self-doubt that the anxiety of knowing that I didn't get all the things on my to-do list marked off at the end of the day, Um, that somebody's jersey didn't get washed, um, so my kid's going to go to his next game with, you know, a dirty jersey. I'm just thankful that he's, our kiddos haven't hit puberty yet because they don't smell so bad. Um, (laughs) That day is coming. Um, I might change my mind when that happens, but uh, we're, I mean, it, it is, it's that sense of defeat that you feel, that, um, you know, I, I'm not good enough, or um, this expectations, these expe- expectations I've put on myself, I didn't meet them, so does everybody else see me the way I see myself? Hmm.
0: Yeah, and that's a heavy, heavy load to bear. Well, if you don't mind just sharing personally, like, how, how has Jesus worked in your life to set you free, or how is he working to set you free? from all that weight, from all of that doubt, self-doubt and anxiety that you feel when you feel like you're a failure? Like, how's the gospel meet you in that?
1: Um, early on in our ministry, uh, God I know, provided me this resource, and it's a book called Grace for the Good Girl. And if you haven't ever read it, like, there's just some profound things that she says in there to women who, you know, may not have come from a background of, you know, When I found Jesus, like, my entire world just completely changed. But those of us who maybe have grown up in the church and have struggled with that performance-driven gospel. um, Anyway, there are some quotes in the book that um, are aligned with Scripture but served as, like, still today as, like, just these constant reminders of what um, God did for me. So I'm going to read those for you, hopefully. Uh, I mean, I can't memorize them very well. So um, it's uh, it just... One of the quotes is, are you trying to be who Jesus wants you to be, or do you trust him to bring out, um, or do you trust him to bring out who he has already created you to be? It's vital to recognize the difference between these two questions, because one leads to death, and the other leads to life. Wow.
0: Yeah, that's so true. I mean, how many women are carrying around the weight of small deaths, right, feeling like? failure after failure after failure after failure of trying to be something that Jesus hadn't, Jesus hadn't even created you to be and instead resting in who you already are in Christ. That's so good, yeah.
1: Um, and she talks about how God has taken, he's ex- or Jesus has taken uh, or exchanged my not good enough for better than I could ever imagine. Mm,
0: yeah. Do you want to read that one?
1: Um, the story of redemption and healing is that Jesus came to exchange my not good enough With his better than I could ever imagine, he came to trade my life for his, my weak for his strong, my ashes for his beauty, and he longs for each of us to receive the gift of himself.
0: Mm, What a beautiful commentary on what Jesus was just saying in Matthew 11.
1: And at the end of the day, when my head hits the pillow and I feel like, oh my gosh, I didn't do all of these things on my list, there's one more quote that she says. It says, all he wants is simply you, minus your good works minus your perfect attendance, minus your politeness. When you really believe that, you may discover that all you want is Jesus, simply Jesus, not just to get to heaven. I was so close. (laughs) Or to help you be a good person. Or to do the right thing. John, I'm not looking at you. (laughs) Um, But to simply love and be loved by
0: him. Amen. That is the gospel. To simply love and be loved by Jesus in your not good enough. So, hey, thank you for coming up here on stage. Now you see a little bit of the man that I am and the reason why God has used this woman to shape who I am in Christ more than any other person or experience in my life. And so I'm so thankful for Hallie. Um, listen, I don't know, I know that it's Mother's Day, I don't know what you came into church hoping for or expecting, um, but what you've, what you've heard is the good news of the gospel. Um, Jesus desires to meet you and you're not good enough. Whether you're a mom or a dad or a child or whoever you are, If you've come in today feeling like you're inadequate, like you're never gonna be good enough, you're never gonna make God proud enough to love you, what you've heard today is Jesus saying to you, listen, I already love you. I've already accepted you. Quit trying to perform and impress me. I already performed for you on the cross. And today, what I wanna do is I wanna trade with you. Give me your heavy yoke, and I wanna give you my yoke. And you're gonna find the buckets are empty because I've already carried the burden for you. I took your sin to the cross. I died for you. I rose from the dead. We're saved by grace through faith. And Jesus is saying, if you'll take that step of faith to trust in me, I will meet you there. You don't have to clean your life up first. You don't have to get things right first. You don't have to get all the laundry done or the house clean. Like, no, drop the mess. Drop the mess and come to Christ. Listen, if that's you and you've never taken that step of faith and trusted in Jesus, like, I hope you'll do that today. We're gonna have prayer partners at the front of the room and the back. Um, if you've got anything else going on in your life that you want somebody to pray for you about, let's do that today. Let's pray for one another. Let's experience the grace of God with one another. Our worship team is gonna come up. You guys wanna come on up, and our prayer partners are gonna come up. I'm gonna lead us in prayer, and then we'll respond. Um, Father, this morning we're so thankful for your amazing grace, and it truly is amazing how, Jesus, you knew our deepest needs (laughs) before we were ever born. You stepped into our world. You became like us. You performed for us. You carried the yoke of the law for us. And the good news of the gospel is that you require no more of us, that we would simply come by faith and exchange our not good enough for your better than I could ever imagine. So Father, right now I know there are people in this room who have not made that exchange, who have not come to you in faith and and laid down their mess. I pray that would happen, God, even as I'm praying right now that your spirit would call them to yourself. I also know there are many of us here today who are Christians who've tasted the goodness of your mercy and forgiveness and and the easy yoke of Jesus and yet we still tend to return back to the heavy yoke and so maybe today would be a day to to, to once again set down that heavy burden and to take up the yoke of Jesus. So Holy Spirit, would you move through this room as we respond in your precious name.